Hi, I'm Maddie, and I don't have a hobby. Hi, I'm Haley, and I have too many hobbies. And I've taken it upon myself to get Maddie hooked on just about anything. In this podcast, we're talking true crime. We're talking Enneagram. We're talking mental health. We're talking Scientology. And just about everything in between. So we're inviting you on a journey that you definitely didn't ask to be invited on. In the hopes that you too would like to be Average, average girls Average and only Average and only Yeah Hello! <laughs> Welcome hey, to... Hey. What, is, what are we called again? Average <laughs> but owning it. What are we called? Hey, we? <laughs> Welcome to a hot mess. Maddie, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I got yeah. my coffee. It is 7-12 on a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make it seem like we're up early <laughs> doing oh, this. Oh, the crack of dawn. We have our <laughs> coffee. But we have everything together, and we didn't wake up at 11 a.m. I did wake up at 11 a.m. I today. did, too. Okay, hot, hot take. take. Let's do who is your TV show alter ego. Okay, this is easy. TV show or movie alter ego. Okay. I for sure have a TV. Can I do cartoon? <laughs> yes. Okay, my alter ego, 1,000%, would be Mr. Whiskers from Brandy and Mr. Whiskers. You remember that show, right? Yes, I remember If that you show. don't know what it is. Good show. YouTube the theme song. Randy and, and Mr. Whiskers. <laughs> ah! But that is all you will need to know about me. Brandy is like a cute little... What animal is she? She's a puppy. She's a, a like puppy they, in the jungle? Oh, my god! Oh, my God. Yeah. She's really cute. She's like, wears these little pink shirts. She's like, I don't well, really think rabbits are in the jungle either. Uh, why sure. did we never question that? Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know. Uh, but then Mr. Whiskers, this is Bunny, who is disgusting, and he is Hilarious. Maddie. He is hilarious. Well, he was hilarious for 10-year-olds, but Maddie still thinks he's funny. This is true. He's very, like, 10-year-old boy sense of humor, but that fits. Okay, do you have another one? Which is still my humor. Also true. Yeah. Maddie still thinks farts are really funny. Yeah, like a good fart joke, I'll laugh for sure. No. Whatever, grow up. Um, I I did. I did. (laughs) Oh, shoot. That really backfired on me. Um, Do you know yours? Um, yes. So mine is a mix. I hope you agree with me because I take a lot of pride in this. Okay. I'm an exact blend of Nick Miller and Jessica Day from New Girl. You are. And I would say that's my real life is just Nick though. No, you don't have a blend of Jessica Day because she, you think she's cringy, but I also am a little cringy. So that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. You were supposed <laughs> to disagree with that. You failed with this. Um, she's more cringy than you. Though. She's yes, she is. Um, I think <laughs> I'm Jessica Day, but I have like a more cynical Nick side. I think I have uh-huh. Jessica's goat. Why am I calling her Jessica? I have Jess's thing where she's very like wants everybody to talk about their feelings and wants to just would sit down with anyone and be like, tell me everything. Yeah, me too. Like I have that. I think that's just a social worker in me, mm-hmm. but also. The Nick thing of like, I at the same time, I'm not taking all of it that seriously. Like, I can be, f- I don't, does that make sense? A balance of serious and goofy. God, I'm perfect. I think that's one of my best traits, too. <laughs> You're, a good, I think you are a good, yeah. I that. think that's I a think good thing that. to be. Let's shake on it. Hell yeah, brother. I wish you all could have seen that handshake. That was like, <laughs> she also said, Hell yeah, brother. When she shook my hand. I think I have more of Nick's sense of humor than I do yes. of Jessica's. Yes. Why do I keep calling her that? I don't think Jess is always that funny. He's more like random, bizarre. Like, yeah. All right, are you ready? Yeah. Corey would be so disappointed in that drum roll. Because does he really take pride in drum rolls? No, he was a drummer, though. Corey was? You didn't know that? A drummer when? Like his whole life. What? Yeah. Corey is in the witness protection program. I never got that kid down. Corey is a jack of all trades. Um, we'll get we'll figure that one out later. This one, with your unimpressive drum roll, is on Israel Keys. Have you ever heard that name? My cousin's name is Israel. Okay, I hope he's not the same one because this is about to be awkward. No, 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 it's a girl. Okay, so then we're good. Mm -hmm. Um, Israel Keys is um so I first heard about this case because it's a murder one. Sorry. Okay. Um, to answer your question, no, I have no idea who that okay. is. Um, I heard about it first from the Crime Junkie podcast. That you love. That I love. Shout out to you guys. Um, love the Crime Junkie podcast. But the first time I heard it, I listened to it twice in a row, even though it's an hour, because I was like, there's no way I heard that right this whole time because it's so whack. And then um, 
Uh, after that, I got in like this huge phase. There's another podcast called True Crime Bullshit. And it's a whole thing about Israel Keys. And it has like a bazillion episodes. It has so many, but I only listened to the first probably like 10 or so. What? But it's a lot. It's a lot of episodes. But it was like while I was doing other things. It was over the process like of a couple months. Yikes. So yeah, it is very, very, because it's so like you're totally enthralled. It's crazy. So this is like a blend of both of those podcasts. I put all the information together. But it's black. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Okay, so it all starts on February 1st, 2012. Um, Samantha Koenig is 18 years old, and she works at a little coffee drive-up stand called Common Ground. Her boyfriend uh, drops her off to go to work, and then he has to come pick her up later that night because she doesn't have a car. And whenever he comes over, all of the interior lights are on in the coffee shop. He gets there, and he realizes that all the lights are on, and... He, like, walks around and nobody's there. And so he's super confused. That's never happened before. He can't find Samantha. Um, but then he gets a text from her, like, shortly thereafter. And all it says is, hey, I'm spending a couple days with friends. Let my dad know. Red flags. Lots and lots of red flags. So he's super confused. He's like, she's never done anything like this before. So he goes over to her house, finds her dad there, and they report her missing that night because they were like, that. there's no way that's normal. They contact the owner of the Common Ground coffee shop place, and he tells them that, no, she was there alone that night because they only have one person working at a time, but there are security cameras. So they're like, oh, perfect. We're going to find out exactly what happens. Probably nothing. Um, oh, I didn't mention this. This is in Alaska. Oh. Yeah, I think it's Anchorage, Alaska, but I might just be saying that because it's the only place I know of in Alaska. <laughs> so I'm really? just assu- Well, I don't know. Maybe. Where did I leave off? Oh. Um, so the video is, and you can actually like find the video online. I'm too freaked out to watch it. So I'm. <gasps> Does it kill her in there? Afraid. No, 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 no. Oh. Um, so the video shows Samantha getting coffee for a customer, but you can't see the customer's face. She hands the cup over and then she he it's like someone's pointing to something apparently that's like over her head. So she turns over her shoulder and then whenever she turns back around, she looks like very visibly startled and she puts her hands up in the air. Okay, so he like showed a gun or something. Something like that. But obviously you can't see the person. Like I can imagine the angle that it's at and it's yeah, you me know too, what I'm perfectly. Um so she it seems like she's listening to him. She turns off the light switch behind her and there like you can see a little bit of light coming from the outside street, but there's no light from inside. So you can't you can just see like movement pretty much. You can't see a ton of what's going on. She takes cash from the register, she hands it over like across the what's it called? Is he in his car? No. He's in he's standing up. It's like a little stand-up stand. Gotcha. I'm imagining like a um what are those places called in New York that are everywhere? Because in the halals. And yeah, in Washington, though, they have just drive through coffee shops, which apparently know, is unheard of in Florida. And you literally huh. just pull up next to the window, and it's just like this little tiny place that they make coffee in. It's very weird, but there's a window uh, on the I guess sides. it might be something like that. It probably would have helped if I looked up the video, but I was too scared. That's okay. Okay, so then after they, he hands, she hands over the money. Um, you see the man come into the frame for the first time and he crawls over the window and comes into the stand. Oh so that's why I'm assuming he's not in a car. And he and you can see whenever he climbs in that he's wearing a ski mask. Oh my gosh. So he forcibly takes her from the stand and they disappear off screen and then you don't see anything else. They're just gone. The FBI comes in to assist once they see the video because they're like, oh shoot, something's going down. They're looking for links all over her social media, trying to figure out if she's logged on anywhere. They can't find anything. And so two and a half weeks go by and they have zero leads about what happened to her. They can't find anything. But then Samantha's boyfriend gets a text from Samantha two and a half weeks later, which can you imagine getting that text from her? Yes. It's like just from Samantha, like everything's all fine and good. The text says, Connor Park, sign under pick of Albert. Ain't she purdy? Actually, I'm looking at the word Albert and I'm wondering if that's a typo. I don't know. Sign under pick of something. I don't know. So eventually they're like, okay, this is either going to, they didn't know if it was going to be Samantha, if it was going to be a trick, if it was going to be a body, what the heck it was going to be. But they go and there's a bulletin board at Connor Park with a Ziploc bag. Inside the Ziploc bag is a ransom note and a picture of Samantha. And in that picture, she's holding that day's paper. And I have the picture for you. Ooh, I'm watching the surveillance video. Are you? Oh God, is it scary? Oh, you have shown me this photo. Okay. Do you remember why? I don't remember all okay. of the details. But okay, don't I say anything. I think yeah. it's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Ooh. So that's the picture. And so she obviously looks like she's being I tortured or something. If you chills. If you look up the picture, it's very creepy. Um, and so he's holding that day's paper in front of it. 
The ransom note asks for $30,000 to be deposited into Samantha's account. So immediately the police contact the bank um, so that they can immediately be notified if anybody uses her account and then they can immediately go to that bank. They don't see any hits on her account for a while, but eventually in Anchorage, Alaska, there are amounts of $500 being taken out at the ATM with her pin. Oh, wow. Um, So even though they're being notified, like, it takes a while to dispatch people. So they are calling and then waiting for, like, someone has to get there. So they're running into all these issues, and they feel like they just keep missing him. And they get all the police task forces in the area, and it's still a little bit too late. So they're running into an issue doing that. Then there's a transaction on March 7th in Wilcox, Arizona, and in New Mexico. Weird. And then Texas. Weird. So they realize that he's kind of like traveling and like they don't know where he's going to next, but they're sort of establishing a line of where yeah, he's headed. Track record. They pull the video from all the ATMs and they realize, of course, this guy's smart enough to be wearing a mask in all of them, so they can't identify him. But they do recognize a pattern where in all the videos they see a white Ford Focus. Mm. They put out an APB in Texas, and the highway patrolman sees a white Ford Focus while he's driving, and he's just happened to realize like okay, there was a hit and we're looking for a white Ford Focus and now I'm seeing a white Ford Focus. I might as well just check it out. So this guy's doing his job correctly. He tells him for a little bit just to see if this guy does anything stupid. And sure enough, this guy, whoever is in the white Ford Focus, makes a traffic infraction. He gets the guy's license and registration, pretty routine, and he sees that the driver's license that he hands him is from Alaska. Ooh. Dun, 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 dun. So they have enough grounds to search the vehicle. Uh, They see clothing inside that matches the ATM videos. They find a gun. They find a debit card and a cell phone that both belong to Samantha Koenig. Uh, But there is no Samantha. So whenever they look at his ID, they see that the name of the guy is Israel Keys. Now, let me show you. I'm going to find you a picture of Israel Keys because he literally looks like a million people we know. He just looks so – like when you think of a serial killer – he just looks so normal. Scary, creepy white guy. Yeah, yeah, but he looks so like anybody you would see at a Walmart. Okay. And he's younger too, which is also kind of bizarre. Oh. Like, yeah, he doesn't look like anything particularly crazy. Like, I, he, not really. No, yeah. He, and in this picture, like, it just looks like he's at a barbecue, just living his life. Yeah. Like, it doesn't look like anything crazy. You wouldn't suspect it. Right. So, Israel Keys is a 34-year-old man. He has a young daughter, and he's been in a long-term relationship, and he lives with his no, girlfriend. No, why? Mm-hmm. Oh, and I don't God. have it. I'm pretty childhood? sure at this point his daughter is like nine or ten years old. Um, he's described as a social guy. He was raised in a super strict religious home, but he has been a proclaimed atheist for the past few years at this point. Um, he has a close knit group of friends. They describe him as calm and collected. Tammy, his girlfriend, uh, says that she sometimes wished that he would be more reactionary and would sometimes try to pick fights with him just because he was so like chill and just Which I kind a of family man and just you would never describe him as angry, I guess. Okay. Um so Keith was born on January seventh, nineteen seventy-eight in Richmond, Utah, to parents who were Mormon and they homeschooled their kids. Mm. When the family moved to Stevens County, Washington, they uh, attended the ARC, a Christian identity church, which is known for racist and anti-Semitic views. Why do all serial killers live in Washington State at one point? There's so many. They even talk about that, too, on other, like, crime podcasts that I've listened to before. They're like, what the heck is going on in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah. Also, screw ARC. Oh, yeah, the ARC. Yeah. Like, what the heck? Okay. He's in the military for a few years. He's also honorably discharged um, after that. His army friends say that uh, he was quiet, mostly kept to himself, but he did drink a lot. And his drink of choice was always bourbon. So he was looking for the sting, you know? Oh. oh. He wanted that warm Family feeling ha- in his chest. Uh, I'm familiar with the sting, the sting of the bourbon. Um, after these found with all the stuff in the car, surprisingly, the investigators are like, they were expecting for him to put up a little bit more of a fight and, like, not confess to everything. But basically, almost immediately, Israel is like, well, jig is up. So Interesting. Yeah, which is super surprising. So they start asking him questions. And it's super bizarre listening to, and this is from the True Crime Bullshit podcast, they have all of these interviews where they're in talking to the police. And it's super bizarre because he sounds so normal. And, like, they're just having a normal conversation. You wouldn't even think they're talking about murder or anything. He's just kind of joking and sort of... 
you know, he's super cordial, super, super polite. And the police are, are obviously doing their jobs the way that they need to, to make him comfortable. But it, it just sounds like they were sitting across the table with a cup of coffee like we are right now. Ew. But asking him questions about how did you get this way? And he's basically, and he's telling them everything. Wow. Yeah. But he's also being kind of guarded and it, he's not just like spilling his guts. Sure. But he's also not like being weirdly quiet yeah. and silent and not giving them anything. Yes. And there's all these really long pauses where he's obviously thinking about how he's going to say things. He's very collected and super not it, disorganized at all. Very, is it calculated? Like he's saying only certain things or is that just? Um, yes. Which we'll get to because he ends up sort of manipulating situations. So these are some direct quotes where they're talking about how he became this way and what's going on. He says, my favorites are the ones that I've identified most with, Ted Bundy maybe, because I don't have a lot of respect for some of them because of the way they lived, I guess. I like reading about all of them. So he's talking about all these murderers that he's learned from. Ew. Um, Which he's weirdly similar to Ted in the fact right. of like long-term relationship, has a kid, a normal family at home. Mm -hmm. Like double life. Gross. Yeah. Um, he says that he read Mind Hunter by John Douglas when he was 15 or 16, which amazing show, unless you're a sociopath. Uh, and he says, which was weird. He was like, I was really disturbed by it. And then he's the guy. Yeah. All of a bro, sudden, like, what? Like, yeah. where do you cross a line if I'm disturbed by it? And then you're like, but I could do it. Mm. You know, he was afraid that he was reading about himself whenever he was reading the books. He was like, Very and I guess that was probably part of the disturbing part of wow, this is so violent and crazy, but at the same time, I kind of understand why someone would do something like that, I guess. Uh, so it's just super gross, and I hated it. Very weird. Keyes told the investigators that the first violent crime he committed was a sexual assault in Oregon between 1996 and 1998, in which he let the victim go, and he didn't kill her. He He's just saying things at this point, like yep. telling them information that they really didn't have any link to. Mm -hmm. wow. They're basically saying you need to admit if this has happened before. And he's like, oh, yeah, for sure it happened before. I'm just not telling you. And eventually as the hours go on, he tells them everything. eventually starts telling them more. And he's realizing that since the jig is up, he should get more. But he is also manipulative enough that he wants his end of the deal met before he's going to give them all the information that they need. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, the FBI is still trying to figure out more information about that rape from Oregon because he doesn't they didn't he didn't get any more information from that wow. he uh talks a lot about how he didn't like BTK um do you know who BTK is mm -hmm. so he didn't like him apparently he thought that it was lame that he was too soft and that he needed too much publicity he called it disappointing that he was able to stop which was surprising for Israel because his experience was that people like him can't stop so he was really confused why there was this where how BTK could have these years long gaps and then towards the end BTK, BTK was never caught. Wait, wait, wait. BTK? BTK, yeah. By uh, torture kill. What were you thinking? I thought you said B2K. B2K? B2K? What is that? Do you know what B2K is? No. I was like, how does that have anything to do with this? What is B2K? B2K was like a boy band <gasps> in like the 2000s that everyone should know and Why love. Why would they call themselves B2K after there was a serial killer named BTK? That's far too close. Um, well, I didn't know about BTK. Yeah, he was. was I don't he, remember like, how many famous? women he killed. Yeah, um, he. It was like you know Omarion. No. What? Okay. Oh, what? the singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he uh, was like the lead singer. Oh, oh. Of B2K. Okay. So many questions. Oh, all right. Many. I I don't know who B2K was. BTK. Yeah, my bad. Help me. BTK <laughs> was a, a serial killer who he killed women, um, and it, BTK stood for bind, torture, kill. Okay. And so that's what he would do. And I, I don't remember how many women he killed off the top of my head, but he there was a period of time where he, they couldn't find him, and he stopped. And then I forget what the triggering event was now, um, but something happened where he basically got bored and he wanted more publicity and so he's like a middle-aged man he had two kids he had a wife he worked at a lutheran a lutheran church mm -hmm. i think it was or a presbyterian church or something um and he they ended up catching him long story short um because he just wanted more publicity yuck gross right so israel keys is like no he was freaking soft like he needed the publicity and i and he didn't know there was that whole gap of time where he killed i think it might have been like eight women maybe killed eight women, and then just never did it again. And he was like, that doesn't make any sense because I know people that are like me, and I know I can't stop. So how did he stop? Oh. Really weird. Did the other guy, BTK, get caught? Yes. Okay. He's in jail now. 
Dennis Rader is his name. Oh, mm-hmm. still in jail. Still in jail. Will be in prison forever. Um, his his daughter has a 2020 episode. I think it, I think it's 2020. The episode is called "My Father the Serial Killer" or something like that. And it's her talking about how that day, whenever she came home, and they were like, "We're arresting your father," and they're like, "Why?" And they tell them, "Your your father just admitted to being BTK." Wow. Yeah, they called him in, and he it was kind of the same thing where he was like, "Well, you finally got me, I guess." Crazy. So. Basically, he didn't understand how Dennis Rader could do that. He was super controlled about the way that he killed people, very meticulous, but he still couldn't stop doing it and didn't feel anything towards the people that he killed whatsoever, which I think is – we'll get to. We'll get to. Okay. Um, Don't forget. But apparently he defies a lot of what we know about serial killers because he did so much research ahead of time and was so controlled, never had a psychotic thing where he just all of a sudden flipped out and, and right. made a mistake up until the point of the Samantha Koenig thing where he took money from her and basically screwed himself. If he hadn't done that, they think that he would have never been caught. Wow. Which I'll explain why. So he, Oh, and he also says that as soon as he starts talking to someone, he goes into a different mode where he wants to be their friend rather than murder them. So everybody that he met had to be a complete stranger because as soon as he says hi to you, he goes he, – he said it was like two different sides of his brain. Weird. Like, oh, yeah, I can't kill you now. Now I want to be your friend. It's this very – human thing mm-hmm. and he said he got off on the element of surprise so he said if i if you knew me it took away too much of the element of surprise for me I don't like um that. they asked him if he had a type of person that he went a victim that he went for he said i didn't really have a type i had a preference lightweight but that's because of disposal but it's not a deal breaker oh my god and he says it like laughing which is the bizarre part he kind of like giggles at one point he's like i mean it's not a deal breaker like, it's so weird because he's such a normal disposal. guy. Ha, ha, ha. Like, screw you. <laughs> that actually, if you read it too, like, if it's like a type, if you're dating somebody and it's just, I don't really have a type, lightweight because of disposal. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, that's twisted. All them thick girls, like, oh, hell yeah. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> there were just a couple of times where we would try to get a why. This was from a quote. It says, there were just times, a couple of times where we would try to get a why. He would have this term. He would say, a lot of people ask why, and I would be like, why not? Creep. That was his reason why he was killing people. Why not? Why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, gross. He um, then tells them that Samantha had been dead for almost the entire time that he had her because they were basically thinking, okay, where is she? How are we going to get girl? her? Yeah, because he had a ransom note and he wanted the money. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. She's been dead this whole time. He said it was a crime of opportunity. He hadn't stalked her. He just happened to go by the stand, saw her, and thought, okay, perfect. She's there alone. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. He explains what happens in the video, but he also explains that he tied her hands up in zip ties. And that's with the movement in the dark that you can't see in the video. He's tying her hands up so that she can't just get out. But what you don't see is that afterwards she does try to make a break for it. So once he takes her out, she tries to run, and he manages to tackle her ahead of time. But she was really close to getting away for a split no. second there. Mm-hmm. He, his plan had been to take her in his own car, in her car, um, but he realized then that her boyfriend was coming to pick her up and that she didn't have a car. So he has to go in his truck, which he didn't want to do. But he takes her in the car. Um, they get into this, like – you know, exchange because she tries to get away, but he manages to shove her into the white truck and drove away without any single person seeing one thing. Not one single witness. Alaska probs. Alaska, man, because he wants to be in Alaska. He said that he was just abducting her for the money and that she was going to be fine if she just cooperated. So eventually she calms down and just stays in the car. Which is a lie, right? But that was not true at all. He didn't even keep her alone for that night. Alive? Alive for that night. He didn't even keep her alive for that night. He did leave her alone um, when she was dead. Yikes. At one point, now here's the part that I was like screaming. At one point, he has to drive back to the coffee stand after he's already taken her because he realizes that he messed up. He didn't ensure that Samantha had her debit card and her cell phone, which he wanted. Oh, because it was all about the money this time. Right. He wanted it this time. So again, he has to send the text to the boyfriend. Mm. So he ties her up in the shed at his house. Then he drives to the coffee stand, picks up. She's alive still? Yes. Mm -hmm. She's alive at this point. Ties her up in the shed, then drives to her house. What? Goes into her boyfriend's truck where her debit card is. Her boyfriend's truck is at her house and he's at her house waiting. Yes, because he's waiting at the house for her. Dude. Before he goes to pick her up. Israel Keys goes there. Goes there to pick it up. Goes into the boyfriend's truck, which is open. The boyfriend comes outside. 
and sees him and he starts yelling at him. He goes back into the house and is like, help me, help me. Someone's getting my car. They go back out and Israel Keys is gone. And so is Samantha's debit card. What? So he's like barely escaping everything. Yup. What a ballsy guy. Mm-hmm. So Samantha had given In him the, the pin. Ways. Yeah. He manages to get away like by the skin of his teeth every single time. Yeah. Samantha gives him the pin. Um, and so he goes, so he knows that it works. So he goes to an ATM, double checks it to make sure it works. He's like, okay, we're in the clear. I can kill her now. He goes back to his shed. He sexually assaults her and he murders her in the shed that night. Then he walks in from his shed to his house where his girlfriend and his daughter are both home. And he starts packing for a vacation. What? They leave the next morning for a cruise. What? Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Isn't that disturbing? Just like nothing happened. Hey guys, it's been a long day at work. And he does what with her body? Leaves it in the shed. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And how how do these women not suspect anything? Uh, don't know. Literally where do does, not know. Where does he tell her that he's going? Okay. My roommate is sitting across from me. She is listening to us right now. She just texted me and said, for the listeners, if you put your pin in backwards, money will come out, but it will will come out. It will come out, and it oh. will notify the police. Oh, yes. and it will notify the police. So survivor tip, whatever happens, backwards. put your pin in backwards. Yeah. So maybe she should have given him the backwards pin. Yeah. If she would have known that. Why would she known that? What year is this? 2000, 2012. And I wouldn't have known that. Yeah. Okay. So they go on the cruise, and so they come back. All is normal. And he goes back in, and he finds Samantha's body. It's been in there for two weeks. It's in the shed. They're in Alaska, so it's frozen by now. Oh. So he literally just left her. That kind of worked out. So he comes back, uh, writes the ransom note, gets that day's paper. Do you see where I'm going with this? No. Look at this picture again. For those of you listening, if you Google this picture. She doesn't look frozen. In this picture, she is dead. She's, oh. She's been dead for two weeks in this picture. And frozen? Why does she look like a... He sewed her eyes open with needle and thread. Oh, that makes me feel... I literally have, like, cold chills all the way down my body. He propped her body up, frozen. Oh, so she is frozen? Yeah, so she's, like... And she's in rigor mortis, too, so her body's, like, stiff and cold anyways. But it's frozen, so it's not decomposing. Oh, my gosh. So she's just... So he gets that day's paper, has her... See how her hand's around it? It's frozen. (gasps) No. So he has her holding it, so then it's, like, look, I'm alive... So then her family would still give her the money. And he has the pin. Oh, he has, my gosh. Right? This How? has straight up, Maddie, it has haunted me since the, sometimes. She's I, dead in that picture. She's dead in that picture. With her eyes sewn open? With it, with her eyes sewn open. It's disgusting. Ew, yep. I feel scary. And it literally in all caps is this entire part in my notes here. Because I was just, even just rethinking it makes me disgusted. Okay, so then he goes out to a lake that's near his house. He builds a shelter around him that apparently people build whenever they go ice fishing. Yeah. You know this? I've heard. Really? Yeah. Oh, whatever. So he goes out ice fishing, and I guess you build the shelter. He basically could, like, get by with sticking her body in a boat, driving out there in the shelter, and dumping her body with no one even realizing it. So it was probable that he's done this multiple times. Because he's just familiar. I mean, it's an easy way to do it, and nobody knows. And Alaska is huge. Exactly. So it's like rural Alaska. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's not much action going on at like an iced over lake in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. And I think he knows that because he's freaking smart. Wow. So goes out to the middle of the lake, disposes of her body, uh, and then they were able to find her body right where Israel said it was. He was like, it's going to be right here in this part of the lake and it was there did they find other women in that lake not that i know of i don't think so okay i'm not sure if he would have reused dumping grounds because he really was so good at going undetected yeah that he didn't want to like shoot himself in the foot by leaving multiple basically like leaving a trail yes um so everyone realizes (laughs) then around this time that this is not this is not even close to his first crime so on his computers, over 40 pictures of missing persons, some of which can't be attributed to him because some of them, there's a difference in timing. Some were from before he was born. He just has all these files and pictures of missing people. Which why would like you have studying? That? Yes. Oh. And, they, and sometimes it wasn't even like there wasn't a bunch of information. It was like, wait a minute, this is a missing persons case from however many years ago. I don't remember. I don't have it on here exactly who they were, but some of them were pretty common ones. And really? it was like, why are you looking at those, you know? 
Um, and some were confirmed to have been done by other people. So they weren't done by him, but it's possible that he developed paraphilia, which is a sexual fixation, but it's focused on missing people. So he was getting off on the idea of people being missing and not knowing where they were. Oh my God. That he, is so creepy. They think that he just wanted to know all the details and fantasize about it. His ultimate fantasy would be actually doing it, but that he was in the meantime, like holding himself off in between killings. By like, yeah, isn't that gross? That's really twisted. Yeah. So they don't think he was studying them to figure out like, ooh, how to do this. this weird fixation. Ah, Disgusting. Um, So they think that it became a part of the arousal mechanism in his brain the same way that people get any kind of fetish. Like you, somebody accidentally brushes a foot up against you and eventually after a while you're associating that feeling of being aroused with a foot and then you have a foot fetish. Right. I mean, eventually, obviously, it's not like one time you see a foot. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so they think that whenever he was developing sexually, something happened or he saw, you know, a missing person's report or something. And at the same time, his brain, yeah, his brain eventually figured out how to like, make that a part of his arousal system. That's so weird because there's nothing sexual about that. Right, exactly. But Which there's I, nothing sexual about most fetishes. I mean, well, some of them there are, but then some of them not really, not not inherently. I guess, like, there's nothing sexual about a foot. No. I remember hearing one story one time about um, this woman, and I honestly don't remember where I heard this, but I remember her saying that she, I think it must have been, like, a Dr. Phil or something. <laughs> nah, maybe that's, uh, Dr. Phil's too PG. I don't even remember. Um, she was talking about how she always gets, she always gets aroused, I hate that word, whenever she anybody says they're going to catch a bus. Oh, I remember you telling me. Yes. This. She'd be somebody'd be like, Oh, I have to go catch the bus. And she's like, <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Immediately. Oh, <A> dang. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> yeah, but like that's just, I mean, there's nothing sexual about that. And she's even like, Oh, why am I feeling this right now? <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Don't say oh. another word. <laughs> Don't say another word. Okay. Um, So around this time that the police are figuring all of this out. Sorry, this is a terrible segue. Um, um, Israel Keys makes a deal with the police. He said, I'll tell you everything, but I just want assurances that I'll be executed within the year. Is basically what he says. Yeah. He's like, I know it's coming. Just make it speedy. Come on. Yeah. Which honestly, kind of not bad because people sit on death row for like a decade just waiting. Um. He also says that he doesn't want media to get a hold of the story and to sensationalize it. And he says, in quotes, I know it might be unrealistic, but I want to keep this out of the public eye. I give you all the answers on the cases and the families will get closure. In return for that, I don't plan on being around a whole lot longer. But a big concern of mine is that my kid is going to be around and I don't want her to type my name into a computer and have it pop up. I know stuff is going to come up, but I just want to minimize that at this point, I guess. So basically, weird. yeah, the weird thing about it is that, like, during this whole conversation, he's taking his time, and he's really being careful of his wording mm-hmm. and saying, like, okay, listen, I don't want to put you guys out, and I know it's not really realistic. He's not being demanding, not your typical necessarily antisocial personality, because I think he's a psychopath. I don't – I think he's, like, a sexual psychopath. I don't think that he is a sociopath. And the difference is so, like, for people who don't know. Okay, yes, that's true. So – uh Basically, generally, a psychopath is more of it like a a Ted Bundy that can blend in and be charming and have their normal life. And an antisocial personality is someone who can't blend in with society, can't follow social norms. They usually had a conduct disorder when they were growing up that came into a antisocial personality disorder. Both of them don't have empathy in general at all. So it's kind of hard. And I mean, the line can get kind of blurred. Sure, yeah. And it's hard because both of them are known to be deceptive. So it's Mm. like you don't really know exactly what they're feeling or when they're being – like they have no compulsion to be honest with you. What's weird about this too, and I guess this is where it kind of became an issue with the investigators and people like talking to this guy because he does obviously have empathy for his kid. Yeah, that's the weird part. He's like trying to make sure she has an okay life. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's – like keeping a frozen woman in his garage. <laughs> and sewing her eyes open. Yeah. What the hell? How do you do that and then exactly. walk into your living room and you're like, hi, honey, how yeah. was school? And that's someone else's daughter. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's weird that there's no. Yeah. And he has enough to say, like, black and white, I don't want my kid to know about it because it's wrong. But also, they talked about this in the Crime Junkie podcast. He had a real issue with the sexual side of things, I think, more than almost the murder. What do you mean? Because he didn't want anybody to know that he was also a necrophiliac. 
and was having oh. sex with the dead bodies. He didn't want anyone to know that. He didn't want anyone to know that he didn't – it wasn't about gender for him. He would also have sex with the, the dead men too. So oh. he didn't want people to know about that piece of it because some – I mean, that was just more shameful for him than the actual murder itself. Yeah. So I don't know if he didn't have the sexual component, if he would have cared about hiding it from his daughter. I don't know. It's all disturbing. All of it's gross. I mean – It just doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, that's really messed up. But for some reason in your messed up brain, I see how you justified it. Mm-hmm. But for him, I don't get how because he played on right. both sides too much. Yeah, exactly. Because he had this, like, whole double life. He probably couldn't compartmentalize them Yeah, at that point, I guess. But That's scary. I don't freaking know. Okay. He talks about all of these murders with zero remorse. And he even admits to investigators that he feels nothing and that – um, the only guilt he feels is about doing this to his daughter. That's it. But he's Whoa. like, yeah, they're like, what, how does he feel to talk about this? And he's like, doesn't really feel like anything. What? What? They ask him if he thinks anybody in his family had an idea that this was going on. He said, I imagine 2020 hindsight, they might remember some stuff, but I can't remember any time where there was any question about what I was or who I was. There were some questions about where I had been, but I usually plan things out so that it sounded like good reasons and no one really called me on it. Holy crap. So he basically goes on to tell investigators, if I don't tell you what happened to missing people you would anywhere, know. you'd never know about it. All these people are missing persons. You have no way to connect them to me. I've never met them. It was all crimes of opportunity. Like I'm driving down the road. There's someone on the side of the road. I'm going to kill them. And he figured That's out a way. such a big risk to run. Like, there's so many variables case to case Yeah, that it's crazy he was able to get away with so many. Right. Well, then here's another thing, and I don't know if I mentioned this before or not, but he would, like, he would take someone in one state, kill them in another state, dispose of them in another state. Three states. Three different states. And where? Not every time. Right. Sometimes it was, like, between two states. He's from, at this point, he lives in Alaska, but he's from, was born in Utah, raised in Washington, lives in Alaska. Okay. It's where did he take them? He was he traveled for work and stuff like that. So he would just oh. go get a rental car. He always wanted white Ford Focuses. He always wanted Ford Focuses in general, not white Ford Focuses. He would drive them around and just find people, just pick them up. Wow. He also was known, and I get to this in later parts, but he also was known for picking up sex workers. Men, we, I don't know if it was men and women. I think he only talked about the women, but that would be convenient. Yeah. Um, but they don't know if he's ever murdered a sex worker. They've never found one or tied him to one, but it's probable he that he did because – and chances are if, like, the nature of their work, they might not have ever been declared missing persons at all, let alone have anyone care about it. That's sad. So, like, yeah, there's probably sex workers out there that know oh. – and he probably knew that, so he had to have killed one. Right. They're vulnerable. Right. He traveled a lot for work, but he never changed his name because he literally wasn't worried about it. He never Whoa. carried fake IDs, nothing. Just did it. Um, he also traveled internationally, but they have nothing to link him to any murders necessarily. But come on now. He probably knew if he went to friggin' Cambodia. He like, yeah, you're good. You're fine. He says he didn't kill every single time he traveled, but he, whenever he took a trip, he chose meticulously. He made trips just to prepare. He would make buckets and kits and bury them underground. In and he various called them kits. So he would go and drive to Texas, or this is an example, to Texas. He'd put a couple guns. Um, he'd put knives, restraints, money, things like that. Just And he would just bury them in kill kits, and he would know where he left his kill kits. So then if something wow. happened in that area, he'd be like, oh, I have a kill kit near here. I can kill them. And he would go get – and then that way it was like he never took money out at the time. Whoa. Nobody could say, oh, yeah, he paid for gas with this amount of money. No, I didn't. I took out that cash – Three years ago, and it's been in a kill kit in Alabama ever since. Right? How freaking crazy is that? Which is like he's so controlled. He ha- and then yeah, there's no way to tie him to this weapon that's there, especially if it's in another state. At that point, yeah, dispose of it in another state. No one's ever going to find that. No. Oh my god. Right. Um, so he'd come back another time, would find a victim purely based off of opportunity. He'd hide in the woods. He'd find a house where he knew there wasn't an alarm. Uh, he'd pick people that were easy targets whenever the husband wasn't home, whenever, oh. you know, family wasn't around, if they lived in a secluded area. No, I hate this. Right? I Every night I walk in my house, I because we've been talking about stuff like this. Sorry. I, <laughs> I know. You're the cause. I get so scared on the walk in. I, like, check over my shoulder every two seconds. And I'm oh, like, yeah. it happened to some girl. She was wrong place, wrong time. Why wouldn't that happen to me? We have a couple 
oddball neighbors that yeah. are scary. And so sometimes my reaction when talking to them, I'm like, they have no idea that I could kill them or that I'm even thinking about how I'm going to get out of this conversation if you were to try to kill me. Oh. Not that I would kill them, like, just for fun. I thought you were like, no, I no, listen no. to so many podcasts. I know exactly how I know to exactly kill you and get away with it. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, if they were to try to get me, I already freaking know how I'm getting out of it. Really? Oh, yeah. I like to think that I do, but I'm also not very strong. Neither am I, really. Yeah, but the reality is one person who's stronger than you can get you in a position where you physically cannot overpower them. Well, yeah, You're but screwed. I also have some psychological stuff up my sleeve. Yeah, I don't know. I know how to do it. No, you don't. I'll work on the empathy thing. You're going to grow. I'll be like that little kid, that little kid in the back of the car who sings gospel hymns. <laughs> yes, like I when do. Like got kidnapped. <laughs> little kid. Yeah, that's what I'm going to be like. Okay. So he has zero ML, no race, no gender, no age. Whoever, whenever, when the time is right, when the place is right, all over the country, possibly out of the country. Ew. Terrifying, right? And then at one point he says, I know that this might not work out and I know that it's unavoidable. I'd like to make this work and really figure it out. Make what work? To try to figure out a deal of how to get him what he needs to help his kid and not have all of it in the media. He just doesn't want his name. He doesn't want his name to be Googleable. And they're basically saying, okay, we can ensure that, which I don't know if they actually could have or not, but they're, they're just saying, like, okay, we'll wait yeah. till after you're dead. Yeah, well, the, yeah, basically. I mean, because yeah. why wouldn't you? They don't owe this guy anything. No, he killed. Yeah, sorry. You saw the woman's eyes open. I don't really have to give you anything. Right. Except for an uppercut to the jaw. <laughs> um, like kicking the nuts. <laughs> uh, authorities reassure him. They become buddy-buddy. They're basically saying, we don't need all the details. We just want to know where the bodies are. And it doesn't matter if you want to die within a year, buddy, we'll make it happen happily. So, yeah. Um, he also admits that around this time he worked as, as a general contractor, but that he also robbed banks to fund for all of his travel. What? So all of his, he basically, so maybe this, so this part does make sense. trades in the criminal world. Exactly. This is what makes me think that he might be antisocial in the sense that he could not get along with social norms at all. Like mm-hmm. that he had this compulsion to do these things, but at the same time. Why did her girlfriend just think he was a weirdo? I, they just thought he was like, no, I don't think so. Again, yeah. if I'm the girlfriend here, mm-hmm. how do you not know? I don't know. Or question anything. Maybe it's the fact of, and uh, granted, I don't know how this Tammy character grew up or anything, but maybe it's like the people that you're around. If you're around a bunch of like quote unquote criminals, like maybe if she was raised by people that are already leaning towards an antisocial anyways, or like just questionable, I don't know, like drug dealers or people, yeah, people in general that are just questionable. Maybe yeah. it's like, that's your norm. And he seems like, so you're just like, yeah, great. you just don't ask any questions. Right. And I mean, and no one gets because right even there. the parts of him that aren't super psychopathic and seem like, dude, you're not accounting for where you you are or you seem like you might be I don't know robbing a bank I don't know something strange it's like maybe she's making excuses for it because she's like well at least you're not as bad as yeah this just all makes me feel like overly confrontational what is you mean like now you're gonna go to Corey and be like no I've already feel that way like if I (laughs) have a question about something I don't hesitate to ask right Oh, so, so now you're just like, I have to keep asking. No, now I'm just like, oh my god. Okay, now God. I'm just guessing everything you're thinking. You never you could just explain it to me. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to guess trying. the end of your sentence. I'm saying that I'm already that way, and these women that don't ask questions oh, or okay. have you. any sort of hunch about anything yeah. make me feel like I'm just annoying. Because you always have a hunch, even whenever there's something to have a hunch about. Well, yeah, but if there's anything to talk about, I'm like, I want to talk about it. Yeah, Yeah, whether it's hard conversation or super dumb or whatever. I just like getting in people's brains and like knowing why they do what they do. It's weird to me that people aren't like that. Yeah, and it's not always like I'm skeptical of what you're doing. Uh It's more of a curiosity. And like a conversation. No, I agree. I agree. And I do it with my friends too, but mm-hmm. I'm like, dang. And, but then people, uh, I see, really be asking I'm, questions. <laughs> I do that too. And I always feel like I forget that other people don't, that other people have boundaries. So I'm like, oh, you don't want to talk about your childhood trauma Me right too. now? They're like, I just met you in a Starbucks, ma'am. Go away. Yeah. They're like, why are you asking me this? I'm like, so here? why don't you tell me about how your father leaving impacted you? And they're like, how about no? Yes. No. A hundred percent. Borside barn hard right now. Okay. Hard. 
super hard. Where do we leave off? Um, he Oh, okay. So he says that there were less than 10 states, but he won't say every single state. So he does offer to solve a double missing persons case in Vermont. Wow. Vermont from Alaska. So it's Bill and Lorraine. They are an elderly couple. I don't what? even have their ages. I know. An elderly couple. They don't show up for work. And so it's immediately suspicious because they're just this little old working does couple. Does he do sexual things to them? Um, I actually don't know. I don't think he admitted to anything sexual, but his that was kind of his thing. Oh. So I'm assuming maybe. And I don't know if he had like a preference towards like, I would rather have sex with a woman. Worst case, I'll have sex with a man. So I don't know if he just would have done something to Lorraine and not Bill or if he was like yeah. doing both. You know what I mean? <laughs> doing Sorry, both. I didn't mean doing both. Oh, God. That's not <laughs> what I meant. I meant do- I was going to say doing, and okay. then I realized okay. I couldn't say doing sex with both. <laughs> so it was, all right, I regret everything. Cut the clip. Cut the clip. <laughs> Actually, leave it. It's funny. Um, I'll cut the part where you say leave it. It's funny. No, leave that part too. Leave this whole thing. Um, so Bill's sister works with Lorraine, his wife, like her sister-in-law. Yeah. And so she realizes that she's not there and she can't get a hold of her. So she drives over to their house. Um, and she sees that their car is gone and there seems like there's nothing going on in the house except for a window is broken on the garage. So Bill's sister calls the police. Aside from the broken window and the missing car, there's no other foul play at all. Police have zero information to go off of until all of a sudden there's a man in Alaska confessing to the murder. Whoa. Like years later. I don't know how many years. because And he just it. came out with it. Yep. And they had no other information. It was just like they're up and gone because he probably did that thing where he took them from one state, killed them in another, disposed of them in another. Uh-huh. That is so sad. It's yeah, it's very sad. Maddie's just doing this terrible, ugly thing with her nose right now, and it's just I wish she would stop doing it. I cannot believe we're gonna be married before me. Okay. Um, okay. He tells them about an old abandoned barn a few miles from Bill and Lorraine's house where he took them that night from their home. Alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kills them there. Mm. Authorities find the barn is demolished whenever they get there. There's nothing, uh, including bones. There's literally nothing there. Wow. So uh, the demo- they talk with the demolition crew who took down the barn. They said that whenever they had demolished the place, there was a foul smell of decay and decomposing flesh. But they decided not to call the police. Wow. They said it would have taken too much work, so they didn't. And then if they probably would have had to make that whole thing a crime scene, so they wouldn't have been able to demolish anything. Whoa. So they just kept They, going. like, did the work for him. Basically, yeah. He just got lucky on that one, too. This guy always seems to get lucky. They uh, might have thought that it was an animal, possibly, but they just dropped it off at a landfill, and they've never been able to recover. Bill wow. Bill bodies. Um, he said that this was a kill bucket murder. He had placed that kill bucket that killed Bill and Lorraine in Vermont two years Holy crap. And he remembered? hmm I guess he probably has, like, a map or something. Interesting. He dropped hints to eight specific murders. Murders, but it's believed that he might be one of the most prolific serial killers in history because he never said Whoa. how many exactly. Uh, December 2012, they go in to get Israel Keys for another interview and they find that he has hung himself in his jail cell and slit his own wrists. He left a four page note that's incoherent and it's a chilling tribute to murder. What? So I have some of the, I have little chunks of it. Um, but I couldn't get the whole thing in its totality, but it, um, uh, see, here's the thing. That's the thing about psychopaths is like, I trust me. I didn't feel bad for him. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, but there's like, you hear him talk and he just sounds so normal that it's like, you're just a guy. You're just a, yeah. You're literally just, it just makes him sound so much less haunting. Cause he sounds like that's what it is. It wasn't, I felt bad for him. But I think that's the creepiest part yes. It's that your average Joe. Right. He just didn't sound like this demonic, evil, like bloodthirsty guy. He just sounded so normal that I, by the end of him explaining it so normally, it was just bizarre, but it wasn't, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but, but then you read this and you're like, oh, go to hell, brother, because this is nuts. Brother. <laughs> this is what it says. I looked in your eyes. They were so dark, warm, and trusting as though you had not a worry or care. The more guiltless the gaze, the better potential to fill up those pools with your fear. Your face framed in dark curls like a portrait. The sun shone through highlight of red. What color, I wonder, and how straight will it look plastered back with the sweat of your dread? You may have been free. You loved living your life. Fate had its own scheme. Crushed like a bug, you still die. A poet? A poet. Shakespeare, if you will. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. And it goes on and on and on. The part about being plastered and... Plastered with the sweat of your dread? Shut up. Like, literally <laughs> shut up. Why did no one... That's, this is this guy's problem. No one told him to shut up. Yeah. As a kid. They should have said, Israel. What the... 
are you talking about? <laughs> he would have shut up and then we would have been fine, but no one did. Okay. So I also found an article from 2010 that was from like the year, or I'm sorry, 2012, whenever this whole thing happened. And um, it says on, on this Sunday, obviously not this Sunday, on Sunday, his funeral was attended by his mother, Heidi, and four of his sisters. The family did not make a statement to the press. Uh, Jake Gardner was the pastor for the Keys family. Obviously not Israel because he said he was an atheist, but his whole Mormon family. Yeah. Gardner said the family decided to hold the funeral in Deer Park because it was a convenient location in case of any acquaintances wanted to attend. Keys grew up in the nearby county, a remote corner of Washington State. Stevens County. Do you know where that is? Stevens County. Yep. That's then. Do you remember it fondly? No. I'm sure Israel Keys does as well. Um, then Gardner's quoted as saying, he is not in a better place. He's in a place of eternal torment. That's what the pastor said? At the funeral. I just have never heard anybody say that. No, they're like... They're like, here's a funeral. I mean, granted, I'm not going to any funerals of psychopaths, but like... Right. It's always like, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Right, exactly. They're like, yeah, no, the things are things are not going great. Like, whenever they first said he had a suicide note, in my brain it was going to be somewhat apologetic. Or maybe even, maybe not even apologetic, but at least to his daughter to be like... Right, some ounce of, like, yeah. sorrow and remorse. Because the weird thing about him, too, is that he doesn't necessarily, whenever you're looking at his childhood, it doesn't, obviously, no one can say that he didn't have any kind of trauma because, you know, who knows with anything. But it doesn't seem like he had anything besides like this very oppressive anti-semitic racist church but a lot of people had those that can do some damage it could but does it make you i don't know because he didn't have an mo it wasn't like he was only killing jewish people or only killing black people it wasn't like that or only even only killing women it was just like it seemed like it was and i think maybe it could have just been this accidental sexual thing that's crazy that that can be such a slippery slope into something else and i don't think it naturally is right but basically Mm. if you're listening to this either immediately go and google this picture of samantha koenig or never look at it ever ever in your whole life oh it that is disturbing she looks alive it's she looks like she'd been beaten but uh-huh. alive because i think because her eyes are so wide because they're sewn sh- open sewn open is what makes it look like she's almost scared so you almost believe it yeah yes so that is the story of israel keys that's a doozy maddie how do you feel about I your home state i feel scared it's interesting super mm-hmm. interesting i don't know if i would seek out this information by myself <laughs> like I, you wouldn't catch me watching like an israel keys documentary <sighs> listen to the podcast it's so good see i that's so scary uh, it really is such a good podcast if you're a podcast person and you're more of a, i am a podcast person i know but i'm saying in general a podcast person who isn't scared like you Okay, well. But I'm also scared, too. I'm, I I'm, listen to it, and then I, I stay awake for half the night. Yeah, I'm trying to get into true crime, and Ew. it's fascinating, <laughs> but I don't know that I would seek it out. The mind of all of these people are fascinating. What the is? acts that they do absolutely make me want to pee my pants. Yeah, but if I only told you about their mind and I didn't tell you about that, the, the her sewing her eyes open, you'd be like, yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess it goes hand in hand. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of Haley explaining me. What? Explaining me. Explaining things that you didn't ask for but love to see. You're so welcome, everybody. (laughs) If you made it this far, thank you and I'm sorry. (laughs) Good night, New York. Goodbye.